0: The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Atatū. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz Those of you who were here last Sunday will remember we had Mike Porteous from Grey City sharing. And I don't know about you, but the probably the thing that stood out most in, my, in, in his message for me was that image of the horse rearing up. He showed a photo of a horse rearing up and he told the story of many years ago um, having confronted this horse which was more than a bit skittish and as it reared up, he, he backed up and then it reared up again and he backed up a bit further and he, he talked about it. that happened like five times before he managed to scramble over the fence to safety. And then he talked about one of the other guys that was there who approached the horse and, and stood his ground as the horse charged him And after the third time of the horse charging him and he holding his ground, he said the horse settled and he had established his authority. Mike spoke of learning about knowing and standing in our authority and the authority that is ours. And he he spoke about this verse where Jesus says to his uh, disciples gathered, Uh, There on the Galilean hillside, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Barely six weeks before Jesus stood on that Galilean hillside, That same group, those apostles, this core group of disciples, barely six weeks earlier, they had been in hiding. This is this powerful commission that was given six weeks earlier. They were all in hiding. They'd spent three years with Jesus on an almost day-by-day basis. And they shared that last Passover meal with him in that upper room. And then they walked with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they watched in shock and most had run away as Jesus was arrested. And taken for trial. It seems likely that only one of the apostles was actually present as Jesus was crucified. One apostle, John. John. And a number of the women who were part of that group that followed Jesus. Only the women are recorded as being there, along with Joseph of Arimathea, as the body of Jesus was taken from the cross and and laid in the tomb. And it was just the women who were there on that Sunday morning, on that first morning of the week, who discovered the the tomb was empty and and heard that amazing. Announcement He is not here, He is risen. The apostles knew what it was to follow, and they also knew what it was to run and hide. Over the following 40 days, Jesus would appear numerous times to up to 500 people on one occasion, and on many of those occasions, these 12 or these 11 at this point, these 11 would have been there. And they had this encounter with the risen Jesus. And Jesus had said, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Mike made the point that the age hasn't come to an end yet. And therefore the promise goes beyond just that group of 11. To all those who would make disciples, who would make disciples through 2,000 years. The promise is still to you and I that as we go and make disciples of all nations, that He will be with us. The Apostle Paul reminds us, and I use this passage often, all this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation not just to the 11, not just to the 12, not just to the 500, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself and Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us that message of reconciliation. He has committed it to us. He has entrusted it to us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's powerful. I know what I'm like. I know what I've done in my life. And to know that God in Christ was dealing to all of that stuff. taking my sin upon himself so that I might receive his righteousness, that I might stand in the presence of almighty God. So how do we, who call ourselves followers of Jesus, learn to live and walk in authority? Now we might think or say that we do. But I know Bill and I are having a conversation, we'd be going... We don't think we walk in the authority that's ours. We want to learn to. See, when you start to read the scriptures and you see the authority, in fact, when you see the commands that are given to us, when you see the challenges that are set before us, if we were walking in that authority, we would not be living in a country where so many Christians are bemoaning the state of our country. We were sent to go and make disciples, followers of Jesus from every nation. And certainly in this nation at the moment, it kind of feels like the church is in retreat. Not everywhere. How easily or readily, for whatever reason, how readily we back away like that horse rearing up. There's a challenge or an opportunity comes and how readily we just back up until we find a safe fence to leap over. How can we learn to stand and to live, to walk in the authority that Jesus gave us? As I reflected on that, I actually thought it's probably actually really simple. Embarrassingly so. You see, if it was hard, we'd have an excuse. But it's actually not that hard but we just find lots of excuses see jesus said surely i am with you always there's no excuse he is with us we have the authority one of the five principles i often talk about when i'm uh when i'm teaching from scripture when i'm reading the scripture for myself is if you want to understand the book get to know the author It's not a separate thing from him. In the upper room, Jesus had said, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and he will be with you forever, the spirit of truth. If you love me, you will obey, and my spirit will be with you. There's some stuff in the scriptures that's really complicated to get your head around. That's not complicated. If you love me, you'll keep my commands, and my spirit, the spirit of truth, will be with you forever. You see, knowing the stories of Jesus is a head thing. I grew up learning the stories of Jesus. Knowing the stories of Jesus is a head thing, but knowing the Jesus of the stories is a heart thing. At the beginning of his earthly ministry, Jesus is led by the the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And towards the end of this 40-day period of fasting, Jesus is hungry. And the devil tempts him, he says, turn these stones to bread. And Jesus says, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in the openings of John's Gospel, we're told that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him was nothing made that has been made. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus is the Word that God speaks. Jesus is the Word that God spoke when he spoke creation into being. Jesus is a powerful word. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And in Galatians 3, he continues, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And in Romans 10, consequently faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. The word about Jesus Christ is the source and sustainer of our faith. When you hear the word about Christ, on the afternoon of the resurrection, two of the disciples, as someone else made mention of this earlier, two of the disciples of Jesus, not from among the twelve, but they're walking to their home in Emmaus. And as they walk, they talk about all that has happened. They are lost and they are feeling confused. They're talking with each other about everything that had happened as they talked and discussed these things with each other Jesus himself came up and walked along with them and they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them what are you discussing together as you walk along? and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning and they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who, who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they, they found it just as the woman had said but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if to go a little further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks, and he broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? What a journey. To have left Jerusalem so confused and despondent. And along the way is Jesus, unbeknown to them it's Jesus, Along the way, he speaks through the word, the word about him, and then that word that brings faith. The faith that comes from hearing the word about Christ. Which word? Which word? The whole of the scriptures, the Old and the New Testament, speak of the life and work of Jesus Christ. They all point to him. You know, even if we don't immediately recognize his voice, and I have to say that there are lots of parts of the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, where I'm reading the Bible, and I'm going, I'm not sure I recognize the voice of Jesus in this. There's some pretty horrendous stuff in the Old Testament. And I'm going, I I don't hear Jesus in this, but just keep listening. Because Jesus is quietly talking to them as they walk down the road. There have been times when it seems that God has suddenly opened a revelation from something in the Old Testament. It's like, now that makes sense. And for these two men, as Jesus had broken the bread and they now knew who he was, their comment was, were our hearts not strangely warmed within us? There is a power in the Word of God. There is a power in hearing the Word of God read the word of god brings faith not just the new testament all of scripture in colossians 3:16 paul says let the let the message of christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms hymns and songs from the spirit singing to god with gratitude in your hearts That's what we want to be doing here as we gather. And at other times. Encouraging one another. Challenging one another. Speaking words of life. What words? The word of God. And then these two come to their home as they walk down this road and they invite Jesus in and my mind goes to Revelation 3.20. Jesus still stands. He says, I I stand at the door and knock. This isn't a promise to those two. This is a promise to all of us. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Not not a promise to those who don't know him. This is written to a church. To an early New Testament church. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This fellowship that these two disciples were having with the risen Jesus is promised to all of us. And in that moment, as Jesus took and broke the bread, in that moment, their eyes were opened and they knew and they understood James 4 promises that if we come near to God, he will come near to you. In those moments when we feel lost and alone, when we feel life's not going very well, I don't know whether you can tell, I've got a bit of a snuffle on this morning, and about four o'clock this morning, I'm wondering whether I get Andy to do a, a Discovery Bible study or whether I get Mike to try to make some sense out of my notes or, or what do I do? And it's like, just keep going. I've got a plan. Not me, him. In these moments when we want to give up, and I've had plenty of those, we all have plenty of those. Where God has put before us a challenge or an opportunity, and we've seen that horse rear up, and we just want to back away. If we simply allow him to walk with us, and to speak with us, even when we don't realize it's his voice. Just simply spend time in his word. Even if we're going, but I don't hear you in this, God. Just keep allowing him to speak. Listen for his spirit speaking through the word. And then be ready for those moments when he will break the bread. Those moments when you suddenly go, oh, God is in this place. God is here in this moment when we shared some of the Easter memories and those are moments when we suddenly became aware of God being in that moment and God in that place. Listen for his spirit speaking through the word and be ready for those moments when we become as were the two disciples intensely aware of his presence. If we want to live and walk in authority, we must learn to live and walk with the author. One publisher writes that, the author, that authority and author share the same root as a given in publishing circles. To become an author, you should have authority on your subject, and those with authority often write books. Well, if you want the ultimate authority, he wrote the ultimate book. Second Timothy tells us that all scripture is God breathed. Not the good bits, not the bits you've underlined. I remember once upon a time being told, you know when you open your Bible and you've got bits that are highlighted? If you want to hear God speak, read the bits that you haven't highlighted yet. Because those are the bits you've yet to hear. See, all scripture, as God breathes in, is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Peter says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origins in the human world, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 3, we all know Acts 2, Peter on the day of Pentecost preaching that wonderful message. But the next day he's been going to the temple and there's that man, remember the gate beautiful, and he asks for money and Peter and James, I think it is, so, well, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, get up and rise up and walk and the man is healed. And Peter turns to the crowd and in the middle of that discourse he has this powerful statement. He says, oh, by the way, You killed the author of life. Jesus isn't just the author of the book. He is the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. For me, this carries the two images of Easter. The crucifixion, which speaks of the love. You know, when when we sing that song, Broken Pieces, and I can see the love in your eyes. I picture Jesus crucified. There is no greater picture of love for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And if you don't understand that, just spend more time looking at the picture. How could God do that? Well, the picture of the cross says two things to me. My sin is that bad that it needed that much love and grace. And that other part of the picture the empty tomb the power that has raised christ from the dead that has seated him at the right hand of the throne of god that same power paul tells us is the power that is within us and i still find myself backing up from the horse and yet i have the authority if you want to understand the book, take a moment to meet and to look to the author again and again. If you want to understand the mysteries of faith, if you want to to grow in faith, keep reading the word that brings faith and sustains faith. And if you just want to understand The meaning of life, the purpose of life. Take a moment to meet and to spend time with the author of life and maybe take the opportunity to share, to introduce someone else to the author of life. In one sense it is so simple but it does require that in the midst of our busyness we must take time to slow down and I speak this to myself to look to him and to look for him he is there right beside you as you walk down that road he is there wanting to speak to you through his word even when you don't recognize him And there will be those moments when you go, That was Jesus. He is here. He is in this place. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatutu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz